Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Castle. My name is Sarai and I was just going to jump right into it, but I have this uh, current breaking news. It's not really breaking news now, but it's still unfolding and the dog is next to me. Hopefully you don't hear her. Um, so uh, basically they're in uh, Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Um, which is, I guess, a part of Kansas City. I'm not sure the geography here, but um, Excelsior Springs. So there's a um, the so this I don't even know where to start with this. About a few days ago, um, I think this happened Friday. So let's see, time machine. So Friday was I think the seventh, October seventh. So basically, a woman uh, ran over to this other woman's house, like a neighbor, and, you know, she was asking for some help. And apparently, she had a metal, um, like, thing around her neck with, like, a, 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 like a collar with a lock. And she had some, she had some... Um, how can I put this? I don't want to be like graphic or anything like that, but like, you know, there was, she, she appeared to have had like some, uh, been bound and, and, um, apparently she had like latex lingerie on. Um, so she looked not good, obviously, like she, she, it was apparent that something's wrong with her, you know, like that she was being held somewhere. And so, um, so the police were called and they came over. And so basically this is what happened. So back in September, this man, this crazy man, he's a 39 year old man named Timothy Haslett, uh, Jr. And he picked up this girl on uh this woman on prospect avenue in early september and he locked her in a small room in the basement of his house and um had her there this entire time he kidnapped her had her there this entire time apparently he did uh whip her repeatedly and frequently and beat her and of course you know sexually assaulted her raped her um throughout free and she says frequently so luckily that day um that day he went to go take his son to school um you know what i'm not sure oopsie there we go the dog i'm sorry for the noises so either he was picking up the kid or dropping him off i'm not sure which one of the two but he went to go to the school to like i said either pick up the kid his kid or um drop him off one of the two and she i guess had the opportunity then to run out and go seek help which was um you know luckily she did so when she was talking to this woman she basically said that her friends did not make it she said um i believe there's two other people that she said were there that um you know like i said did not make it and uh it, it's still unfolding like i said but apparently the police found firearms when they searched um the house 
they were re removing all kinds of things from the house. Um, neighbors were reporting that they're seeing things come out. I saw a clip of a neighbor talking to the news and she said that, um, that basically she saw these big blue drums being taken out of the house, which of course that, I mean, you think of, you, you, this is true crime. So you think of course, like, oh my gosh, that's probably where the bodies are, like where he hid them. And apparently this could be true or false. I'm not sure I didn't look into it, but somebody left a comment on TikTok saying that they checked his Facebook account and saw that he had been asking uh, if anybody knew of any local dumping sites. Uh, so I don't know. Um, that, that That's kind of like hearsay, if you will. So I don't know how much you want to read into that, but uh, it all, some you know, it's all part of it's all very like totally out of one of these like a movie or something and it's just so crazy so he has uh entered a plea of not guilty i'm doing a lot of ums and i apologize i'm just trying to i'm trying to read through everything and get get it all out uh but anyway so yeah so uh, he has pleaded not guilty, uh, and I guess, um, like I said, it's still under investigation. The police are not saying if there's other victims right now. They're just saying that they're, they, they are saying that they are investigating him for additional crimes. So, um, you know, we'll see when this goes to court what happens. But, um, yeah, his first appearance was uh, not guilty. He's being charged with kidnapping, rape, and second-degree assault. But like I said, this is uh, just barely now. I don't know if there are more victims. You know, like this could grow. But um, it's just a developing story. And, I, you know, it's, like, just so crazy. And nobody's talking about it. So I wanted to just bring it up and, and bring that... Um, uh, since it just happened too, you know, so there's so many stories, you guys, like, um, it's, it's crazy how much is out there and we don't talk about it or anything like that. So, uh, if you guys actually have anything happening around your town or, or something, um, yeah, you should like send that, like you could send it to me or just, you know, try to post about it or something because all these cases don't get any attention. I think people don't realize you know, it's funny because I've been seeing a lot, speaking of TikTok, I've been seeing a lot of TikToks about people saying, like, why don't we have serial killers anymore? And that's not true. We do still have them. Um, they just haven't been caught yet. <clears throat> I'm sorry. They just haven't been caught yet. And, uh, and, and there's some being caught all the time. I mean, I've seen, um, well, speaking of Kansas, this is in Kansas, I believe. Um, they were saying that, People are, are suspecting that there's a serial killer. I think there was a serial killer suspected in Philadelphia as well. Um, this is all off the top of my head. So again, like you guys could check the facts for this. But uh, but yeah, and then the police came out in Kansas, I believe it was. And they said, you know, that they looked into it and there isn't a serial killer going around. But people are like, hey, like there is something going on right now. There's actually also a serial killer up in... Um, san jose i think up like northern california somewhere uh targeting hispanic males um 
which that that has been in the news a lot. I feel like that's being talked about more. But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like this is something that happens all the time, and we don't hear about it that often. And uh, also, it takes a while for them to get caught. You know, police can't right away say, "Oh, look, there's a serial killer," and then there's so much that goes into being a serial killer as well, where it's like, you know, their patterns could be hard to 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 track and sometimes it's like they can go years without killing in between you know um in between killings and stuff so it's just hard to always like know and I just wanted to say that because I see a lot of people thinking that there isn't this stuff going on people don't realize that there's human trafficking going on here literally all the time at Target at Walmart you go to the store you go to the park I mean anything you go home or you know from work or to work and there's all these people trying to target you or your kids or you know your 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 partner like your grandparents all the time and we just have to be aware and so i just think if you guys have these stories take bring it out so that we can know about it and like know how to protect ourselves and look what to look out for and things like that um yeah but anyway so um sorry okay so that's it that's that um as that develops i guess i'll update but um i'm not sure i'm not sure what else we'll know like when we'll know it you know so um if you guys want to take a look into that uh excelsior springs check that out um all right so now let's jump right into it i do want to say i'm getting over what i believe was strep throat and my voice was gone 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 and my throat was just killing me for like two three weeks and so i'm barely like over the hump i guess so <clears throat> i apologize if it's kind of like weird like weird voice or ugh, coughing whatever <clears throat> so anyway so today's episode is uh actually i think in great theme with what i just spoke about in excelsior springs because um it's a survival story which you know obviously sh this woman thankfully survived and um and I also think it's important because you have these victims and they survive. And it's not always, you, people think like, oh, they survived, it's over. And they can move on. And it doesn't work that way. Um, and I think this story, she she has been very open about it. And I think that also helps for us to know, like, you know, how to deal with this stuff and what happens and the psychology of it all, really. So anyway, this story is uh, the amazing story of mary vincent and her escape from larry singleton and this one i don't know this one always just like it always comes into my head i think about it all the time because it's like literally so horrific but at the same time i find it very inspiring and the same thing of like like what people are willing to do to survive how like you can survive things that you never thought you could like you would think you couldn't and they do and but then also like how it just changed like it sucks because it just changes your life forever but you could turn that into something beautiful you know there's just so much with a story like this so i this one just always sticks in my head and i have realized that a lot of people don't know about this story so um so i'm gonna tell it to you all right so um mary vincent she's from las vegas nevada and her mother's name is Lucy, and she was at that time, <coughs> sorry, 
a casino dealer. Uh, she dealt blackjack, which is like the only game I'll play if I ever gamble. I don't really gamble, but if I do, I like to play blackjack. Um, so her father's name was Herb and he was a gambling machine repairman, but I believe that was his job on the side because I saw that he was in the military. So it looked like that was his like side hustle. Um, and she, Mary, was one of seven kids, uh, which is a lot of kids, of course. So, you know, it makes sense. Like that, that would be his side job. He had a lot of kids to care for. So anyway, I just wanted to say that because every article that I saw was kind of worded weirdly. So I wasn't sure about his occupation. I don't think it matters that much, but, um, you know, anyway. So when Mary was a young girl, about 15 years old, <clears throat> this is around like when the story takes place. She was 15 years old. She was a teenager. So she started like rebelling and things like that. So she started cutting classes and running away from home. And then there was these articles and they all said like she was wearing makeup. So apparently this was like not good, frustrating to her parents. Like, of course, makeup, what? That's not a rebellion. But maybe for that time, I don't know. Um, oh, by the way, this is like late 70s. Um, so, so yeah, so this was all like frustrating her parents and, and of course there was like a lot of tension. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the makeup thing just kind of throws me off. I think it's weird, but you know, different times. So anyway, in the summer of 1978, uh, so this is when the story happens, Mary ended up, uh, leaving, running away. She went to go live with her boyfriend and spent that whole summer in Salcedo, California. And she was living uh, with her boyfriend in his car. Uh, so at some point during that, he, the boyfriend, was arrested for allegedly raping a high school girl. Um, I'm not sure of his age. That's the only thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, he was arrested for rape. And so from then, Mary decided that she had to leave. So... Um, I guess at this point, she's still probably a little bit lost. So she would kind of bounce around and she would often uh, go stay with her uncle in this small village called Soquel, California. However, on September 28th, 1978, she decided to say goodbye to her uncle because she was planning to go to Corona, California, where her grandfather lived. So from where she was to where she was going it's about a 400 mile drive and her plan was to basically just hitchhike the the whole way there so so this is where basically um she's in berkeley at this point and this 50 year old man named larry singleton uh, picks her up and (coughs) sorry um, he picks her up and they, um, well, he, he was driving a blue van and he said that he was on his way to Las Vegas, but he said that he could give her a ride to Los Angeles. So basically for those of you who aren't, who aren't from this area, Corona is really close to Los Angeles. Um, I Corona, I think it might be part of San Bernardino County. I'm not sure. I think so. Um, but it's literally like neighboring Los Angeles. But depending on traffic, because here we never say like, oh, it's five miles away. No, we'll say it's uh, 
30 minutes away or whatever we do everything as far as like traveling um based on time because you could live two miles away from me and it could take me an hour to get to you because of how bad traffic can get here so um so yeah but i kind of checked just to see like all right like you know how far would la be to, from to uh, corona and of course los angeles is huge so depending on where los angeles in los angeles but anyway it's about like a 45 minute drive basically so what i'm trying to say is it wasn't very far um so for him to drop her off in los angeles it was like a, you know it would have been quick for, it was basically most of the way is what i'm trying to say so it was a good catch in her for her you know like as far as the ride would go um so so she said like in the beginning of their interaction um he seemed really like friendly he seemed like like a normal person um however he had been previously convicted of contributing to the delinquency of a minor and had a history of alcohol abuse so i mean we i don't know what that means it's pretty vague but um my point is like he you know people can act friendly and that doesn't mean that they are but she, but you know he well so she thought you know he was like he seemed okay uh apparently during this time he was uh he had just gotten a divorce from his wife and he was estranged from his daughter so i don't know where he was at i mean obviously this guy is just clearly pure evil but i don't know if this was some kind of trigger like he was in this triggered mode i don't know um so anyway uh mary you know she thought he seemed friendly trustworthy whatever so she accepted the ride and they they went off on their way so a little while into the ride uh, mary lit a cigarette and then she sneezed and this guy reached over to feel her neck and asked if she was sick and she did not like the physical contact that he made and so she pulled away and she got kind of like creeped out you know she was kind of like what the heck and after this she was more on guard and she like she waited to see if he tried anything else um you know she was kind of just like like which is sad because especially in this time you're supposed to be polite or whatever so she i'm sure like didn't know how to handle it and was like well if he does something else then i'll get out or something you know but he didn't try anything else so she thought okay everything's fine so um she tried to be nice to him and she tried to be helpful and she offered to carry some laundry at some point when they made a stop and you know she was just trying to be like a nice grateful passenger um after a while she felt comfortable enough um and she fell asleep so when she finally woke up she looked around and she realized that they were off course they were on their way to nevada not to los angeles so she got freaked out and she grabbed uh she grabbed a sharp stick that she found somewhere in the car and she like pointed it at him and she demanded that he turn the van around and take her to where she needed to go and he apologized and he was like oh you know it's just an honest i'm just an honest man who made a mistake um quotes you know and he was like trying to be like oh you know i'm not trying to do anything you know so she thought that he seemed sincere enough 
And so she believed him and she's like, okay, you know, he seems remorseful, whatever. So she stayed in the car. Um, again, like, ugh, just sad. It's just sad because I think all of this has to do with her just being polite. You know what I mean? Anyway, I can relate. That's all. Um, so then at one point, uh, they stopped and he went, uh, Singleton went to go use the bathroom so she got out because she wanted to stretch her legs you know they'd been in the car for a while so she got out and then she saw that she needed to tie her shoes so she leaned over and as she was like laying uh leaning over to tie her shoe singleton came around and struck her um and beat her across the back of her head until she fell so he then basically sexually assaulted and raped her and he told her you know don't scream or i'll kill you and she he basically told her like you have to obey me if you want to live so from there he bound her hands behind her you know behind her back and they drove for a while so eventually he did come to a stop and he cut her hands free and he ordered her to drink like some unknown like it was some alcohol in a plastic jug and he made her drink it and then he continued to assault her so she i guess was like in and out of consciousness and at some point she regained consciousness and he told her to um lie on the side of the road and she just kept like pleading with him you know set me free set me free so he said quote you want to be free i'll set you free and then he uh, trigger warning if you trigger warning just trigger warning um at this point he then uh got a hatchet and severed both of her arms just below the elbow and then he shoved her down an embankment and stuffed her into a concrete pipe and then told her quote okay now you're free and then he left and she was unconscious and basically near death uh when she again finally woke up thankfully she did um she was in a dire state obviously she was at the bottom of a ravine she was naked she was alone and she was bleeding profusely of course somehow she was able to get the strength to stand up and she literally walked three miles out of there um, she later found out that this was uh, Del Puerto Canyon and she could hear, basically she could hear uh, the noises of the freeway um, and she had to keep her arms up in order to keep the bleeding to very minimum level and this could be false memory of mine. I remember hearing somewhere that she had packed mud into her wounds but i'm not 100 percent sure if that's the case um i'm not 100 percent sure but I, I feel like i remember hearing that somewhere to uh stop the bleeding um or to you know minimize it so anyway apparently this like climb up to the, to go back to the freeway took her took her hours and finally when she did finally reach the freeway um she came across this these people a couple in a car uh or not a couple that just i don't know some people and they saw her and they were afraid of her and they sped away 
which imagine i mean like i get it on their on their part i mean they must have not had any idea what was going on it must have been very scary for them but then there was a, a a second couple who came apparently they were like on vacation or something and they saw her and they stopped to help her thankfully so they wrapped her up in some linens that they had in their car and then they drove her to a nearby airport and then there they called the ambulance so after the attack remember she's 15 years old 15 she provided law enforcement with such a detailed description of her attacker that people were able to immediately recognize the police sketch she was there like she and i just want to say this is great because um like eyewitness testimony is not the greatest human memory is not the greatest there's so much that like you there's so much there's so much of it so it's just for her to be able to give such a detailed description was just like that was just so that's where it's like oh my gosh this girl's amazing like all these things like she was able to you know walk for hours while her arms are cut off she was able to give such a detailed description all these things is where i feel like she starts to become this like wow you know such incredible incredible story um so you know during her recovery of course she they she got some prosthetics and um she did return to school also which imagine imagine that um you know so she tried to go back to like i guess like a normal life and then uh you know when they did catch him uh they did catch him and they had mary was able to testify against him which again is like really brave of her because she basically has to relive the whole thing she has to see him again you know so again just so brave of her um this asshole you know he his defense was that she was a sex worker and he denied that he didn't you know he had not committed any crimes and i just find that like i don't know that defense is like it's just crazy that would ever be a defense for anybody because it's like basically saying like if you're a sex worker it just like voids anything like oh she's a sex sex worker so it's fine you know what i mean like that's crazy i don't know Again, it's just like at the times, it's just interesting to see that it wasn't that long ago, but just so different. Um, okay, so he also said repeatedly that there was somebody else in the car and that Mary had threatened him with false accusations. And he called her a, quote, ten a night, $10 a night whore. So... Obviously, these were all lies. Mary was able to stand up in front of the court and testify against him. And she did such a great job. Again, like, she she was such a great witness. It's just, you don't always get good witnesses. So this was, like, just amazing of her again. She kept referring to him as my attacker. Um, she never, like, used his name or anything like that. She had, uh, she declared in a firm voice that he, quote, did this to her uh in reference to her to her prosthetic arms um so again just she's very strong strong witness so anyway years later florida police arrested him for a different crime 
And at this point, Mary came back to testify against him again, which, again, it's like she was willing to relive everything, relive the trauma, reopen the wounds um, to make sure that he would be put away. So at this point, they had overwhelming evidence against him, and they were able to convict him on multiple charges, including kidnapping, attempted murder, and rape. And um, after this time, she... This is apparently this is what happened. So apparently, and he admitted this, by the way, he said to her, quote, I'll finish this job if it takes me the rest of my life. And of course, this terrified her. So he said that to her. She like left the courtroom uh, very quickly. Um, so he was put away. She went home and she, like I said, she was trying to re like live her life normally, but Apparently, she was having a lot of trouble with her family, and she felt isolated. Um, I guess she had gone to a specialized school, but she felt isolated. Um, you know, she was going through a lot, a lot, of course, obviously. So as soon as she graduated, she moved away, and she became very secretive about her life and her location. Um, she was traumatized and depressed, and eventually she ended up developing an eating disorder. Um, she had trouble leaving the house, and like so many of her close relationships were just falling apart um she later said that she had contemplated suicide but she said that she could never go through with it um so singleton served only eight years and four months uh in prison and he was released on parole from san quentin for good behavior now when he was released apparently uh, he maintained his innocence. He said that he never assaulted or attempted to murder Mary, and he seemed to have zero remorse. Um, but so he was, you know, released, but the public didn't want him in the community. So different towns throughout California, they kept trying to place him somewhere. Nobody wanted him to live within their borders. Every city would refuse to have him reside there and eventually just got to the point where they couldn't find a place for him to stay while on parole because, you know, he has to report and everything. Like he has to find like he has to be housed somewhere and they couldn't find anywhere because every single city would just reject him, petition to like not allow him there. So eventually what ended up happening is he had to spend the remainder of his parole in a trailer on the San Quentin grounds under a curfew and guard watch, which is actually probably the best scenario because, you know, he couldn't do anything. He was, in a sense, still in prison, you know. Um, so he did end up joining Alcoholics Anonymous and he claimed that he was so sober during this time. Um, and during this time when he got out, she was, Mary was just trying to... Um, she was in hiding. She was trying to hide. So then this piece of shit, um, he decides that he's going to sue Mary for everything that happened in 1978. He kept claiming he was the actual victim of that. So he sued her. So I just find this very, like, interesting because these psychos have this type of audacity this type of gall or something 
to do these like insane things and i think part of it too is they want to re-victimize their victims um but it's just like the audacity is incredible i mean it's just crazy so he tried to sue her and he claimed that he remembers mary threatening that she was gonna accuse him of rape and you know that like remember how she had had that stick at him like you know he talked about she had threatened him and said that basically like the threat was like i'm gonna accuse you of rape and he said because of this this is why he became violent um which like okay what none of it is even none of it makes any sense but that was his um his whole thing was like she was trying to rob him so that's why he became that way but why would you cut off her arms you know why did you rape her all these things um even so like you try to kill her what is that you know it doesn't even make any sense so um he did file the complaint and he was suing her for quote forcible kidnap for the purposes of robbery um he said also he felt sorry for her uh and then he said that he almost vomited three times and could not sleep for several nights after the filing like he felt so bad about the whole thing um but of course thankfully the suit never gained any tractions and the court dismissed it um which is thank god she didn't have to go through that bullshit um so anyway after he was finally done with parole and everything um he moved back to his home state of florida uh and he was arrested again in 1990 for petty theft for that he was sentenced for three years but of course only at the time on february 19th 1997 so basically almost 20 years after his attack on mary vincent he lured a young sex worker named roxanne hayes to his home and he attacked her uh neighbors called the police because they heard some crazy noises and when the police finally arrived they found him covered in blood and her dead body lying on the floor um she was actually a mother of three and he stabbed her multiple times uh for this he was convicted of murder and sentenced to death but thankfully on December 28th, 2001, at the age of 74, he died from cancer while on death row. So, years after her recovery, Mary married, <laughs> um, but she did get a divorce later. She said her trauma had caused her years of stress and depression. Um, so, you know, of course, this is what I'm saying where it follows you. It's forever, you know? Um, eventually she did become a mother of two boys and then she said when that happened that's when her life began to change for the better um she started to heal and started to uh, establish close relationships um and again you know and um this her new family just became everything to her and in a 2003 interview she says Quote, I remember being four years old and somebody asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I said, I want to be the mother to the world. Um, she added that 
Being a mother had gotten her through some of the incredibly trying years following the attack, uh, which I, I also like resonate with that because like for me, once I had kids, uh, that's when I went to started going to therapy because I think having kids is a great like reflection, I think, of where you are mentally. And uh I realized for myself, like I had to I needed I needed to go to therapy. Um and so so that makes sense to me for her, you know, that that's when she realized she needed to take care of herself. Um, when she was um, a young girl, she wanted to be a dancer. That was her dream. And um, unfortunately, because so portions of her leg had to be used to reconstruct her arms. So basically, because of the surgeries, she was never able to become a dancer. Um, so that's also sad. So she always had this dream of dancing, but because of what he did, you know, she couldn't do it anymore. Or she couldn't do it, period. Um, but she did find, like, a creative outlet. She started painting and drawing and sketching. And she does a lot of, like, chalk work. Um, she also has been known to tinker with the prosthetic arm um as part of her art making and she's like created everything from like commissioned family portraits to action figures of powerful women um so you know luckily thankfully she's still able i guess she's a very creative person so she's still able to do those creative things just not in the way that she had originally thought but um yeah so that's the story of mary vincent and now she is a victim's advocate and she wants to tell her story. She wants people to hear um, what happened to her and everything and, and her whole journey, I would say. Um, uh, this story, I've heard it multiple times. I believe I saw it once on I Survived. If you want to see that, she tells a story firsthand. I think that's where I first saw it. Um i was like younger though um and then from then it would pop up here and there so yeah it's like pretty inspiring if you can hear her talk about it that'd be probably like the best source um but you know for her first hand account of everything but yeah she's just she's pretty incredible i think it's a pretty incredible thing this young woman from excelsior springs um she survived she fought for her life she survived uh, however, she has a long road ahead of her. You know, she's going to be traumatized for life. God knows what happened to her. And I think for the public, we see these stories or hear these stories and we think, oh my God, thank God she's okay. And then that, like that's supposed to make us feel better and then it's over. Um, but I think it's important to realize that it's not over for these people. They have to live with it forever. And... Um, you know, it's just like, I think it's important to, to note that it's not that simple and it's not just like, oh, thank God you survived and that's it. Um, even Mary contemplated as, as strong as the um, will is to live at some point, she felt so depressed, she thought about suicide. So I just want that out there. Um, I hope that this was inspiring to some of you. You know, these two, we have two stories today of survivors. And um, 
you know, I mean, her will to live was amazing. And of course, life wasn't perfect to her, but she was able to start the process of healing. And because of that, she's been able to help so many other people. And I hope that this is, you know, a message of hope that no matter what you're going through, you know, that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and of course, even if, you know, you go through these bad times of depression, no matter what your situation is, it doesn't have to be as extreme as this. So I'm just saying, um, once you do get help, things get better and you truly are able to help other people and be an inspiration. Um, so I hope that you walk away with feeling good, not good, but you know, inspired, I think, I hope. Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, I, yeah, just thanks for listening. Keep an eye out on that Excelsior Springs um, case. Um, more details, I think, are going to come out soon. And that's it. So see you next time. Thanks, guys.